From APM American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Educators are using a new term lately. It's the phrase deeper learning, and it gained traction last summer after a National Research Council paper said the concept would help K-12 students succeed in work and life. Deeper learning is said to take place when students master both content and the skills to apply the content. If they can do that, they acquire so-called competencies, like critical thinking and collaboration. The goal, advocates say, is to have students transfer what they learn in one field to situations in other fields. Our guest on the podcast this week has thought a lot about the deeper learning concept. He was the main author of last summer's report, which was called Education for Work and Life, Developing Transferable Knowledge and Skills in the 21st Century. Jim Pellegrino is a professor of education at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and co-director of the Learning Sciences Research Institute there. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to uh, join you today. So the term deeper learning, how is it different from other catchphrases, other labels we hear in 21st century learning, you know, terms like critical thinking. Is this, is there something really new here or are you bringing together some established ideas? Well, that's a very good question. I think one of the the things that was a charge to our National Research Council Committee was to try to clarify this plethora of terms that are out there, including deeper learning and 21st century skills. So the way I think about what we were trying to do and the way we conceptualize the issue is that deeper learning is a a sort of goal of the educational process. And so someone likely to say, well, deeper than what? (laughs) Because you're, you're describing it in a certain way. But I think what we're trying to get at and what people are trying to get at is a a form of of knowledge and understanding that is the product of a learning process that gets to really key ideas and principles in some area of content or some area of work or performance that allows you to be able to use the knowledge productively in a range of situations. So the contrast is sort of what we might call a very superficial kind of learning in which you develop knowledge of a lot of facts or you can execute specific procedures, but you really don't have a deep conceptual frame about what those facts mean and what they represent or why that procedure actually works and how you would generalize it to a new set of circumstances. Can you give me a for instance about something in particular? Yeah, let's think about something that's very, that oftentimes happens in teaching science or in teaching mathematics. So in many cases, we, we, we have students memorize um, the parts of the circulatory system or the parts of a flower and ask them to be able to repeat that back on some sort of an exam uh, that's oftentimes a multiple choice question or something like that. Now, you can memorize the parts of a flower and you can memorize the parts of the circulatory system, but here's a question to you. Uh, I'm sure you know that the circulatory system contains arteries and veins, right? Sure. Okay, which one pumps blood to the heart and which one pumps is associated with pumping blood from the heart? Oh, boy, now I'm in trouble. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, veins pump to the heart and arteries pump away. 
Well, the point of asking you the question... I got a 50-50 chance here. How'd I do? Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, you know, it's it's a good question. And and the issue that we're really trying to get at is not whether you're right or wrong uh, or your 50-50 chance. It's the idea that um, if students really understand the circulatory system and they understand the properties of veins and arteries and how they function in the system, they would be able to very easily tell you um, and, and, and even if they didn't remember which one was which, they'd be able to tell you that the one that, that is associated with pumping blood away from the heart has a different structure because it has to do with the function it serves as opposed to the one that's associated with uh, carrying blood to the heart. So when they understand what the function is of veins and arteries in the circulatory system, it doesn't matter whether they know which one's called a vein and which one's called an artery. They really understand why the two different components are structured differently and how they how that structure meets the function they serve in the circulatory system. What's the relationship between deeper learning and this new set of standards that are being adopted by many states called the Common Core? These are standards for English and for mathematics. Is there some connection here between what you folks are trying to do and what is being done uh, nationwide with these standards? I think there's a, there's a very good connection. In fact, one of the things we were asked to do in our report was to try to identify the relationship between these ideas of 21st century skills and competencies and deeper learning and the common core state standards in English language arts and in mathematics, as well as the framework that the National Research Council developed for science education standards. The, the answer to your question is that if you look at what is really a focal component of the Common Core State Standards and, and now the Next Generation Science Standards, the emphasis is on what you might call core ideas and principles in the domain of mathematics, in the domain of science, and in the nature of understanding about the structure of text and the comprehension of text, particularly different literary types of texts and disciplinary texts like history or social science or science. The idea in the Common Core Standards is what we want students to develop is an understanding of these core ideas and principles, and that is very much akin to what we were talking about as the product of deeper learning. We want students to get to the kinds of knowledge in mathematics and in science, like the example we just gave about veins and arteries, that allows them to use that knowledge productively and transfer. Is it more difficult or more expensive to test students for deeper knowledge and deeper learning. And the reason I ask that is that uh, there's a lot of controversy around standardized testing, obviously. And one of the complaints is that standardized tests tend to emphasize and encourage more rote learning, more kind of memorization learning, and that tests that get at critical thinking, especially if they require essays, are more expensive to produce, more expensive for states uh, to have students take. Is is that the case here with deeper learning? Is it a thing that just is going to cost more 
to assess? You, I think you've posed a very good question and you've hit the nail on the head, which is with respect to what's the relationship between the desired products of the learning process and then how we go about assessing and evaluating it for a variety of purposes, either to help teachers support student learning in the classroom or for large-scale tests of accountability. I think the answer is that we in the United States have become very used to a standardized approach to testing, which is largely driven by multiple choice types of tests, which are easier to construct, easier to score, and much less costly to produce and score for the purposes that we tend to use them. The trade-off is most multiple choice type tests are only able to get at relatively, we might call low levels of, in terms of depth of knowledge. They're good at testing your knowledge of facts um, and at some level, some aspects of reasoning, but they're not very good at getting what we, what we sometimes call these deeper levels of understanding. And to do some of that, particularly when we're interested in some of these 21st century competencies like reasoning and problem solving um, and collaboration and communication, we have to go to more open-ended constructed response type items. It's not that they're harder to construct in some ways uh, than multiple choice questions. It's that the results that we have from those kinds of uh, assessments take more time to evaluate, although there are automated techniques that can help us evaluate responses to constructed response items. Can you explain what you mean by 21st century competencies? Because the things that you just listed sounded like they would make sense in the 20th century as well. I mean, what what's new about that? Well, in fact, one of the things we said in the report was that the so-called 21st century competencies, in many cases, are, are not unique to the 21st century. They're really the kinds of competencies that we've always desired for individuals to have, except I think the difference now is we want more of the population to be able to demonstrate these competencies, given the kind of world we live in, given the information society we live in, and given the nature of jobs. So it's it's not like problem solving is a new idea. It's not like collaboration is a new idea. It's not like self-regulation of, uh, of one's sort of activities, what we call metacognition, is a new idea. These have been around for a, a long time, but they were the kinds of competencies that we oftentimes reserved for only a part of the population because many aspects of daily life and work didn't require individuals to engage in non-routine kinds of problem solving and thinking and reasoning. Back when there was a big manufacturing sure. uh, sector in this country. Sure. If you knew how to do a job and it had a procedure that you needed to follow and all you needed to do was, was to be able to have mastered that set of procedures or activities to do your job well, then fine. That was what we wanted you to, to do and, and you would be evaluated in terms of your ability to acquire those skills and be able to execute them well. Your paper recommends some steps that educators and policymakers uh, can take to promote this idea of deeper learning. Can you name a couple of them and one or two of them that are most important? Well, I think one is the one that we've hit on already. Um, It is that the assessments that we use, particularly in the context of what you might call high-stakes accountability and and decision-making, those assessments really do have to reflect 
the kinds of competencies that we value. If we try to do things too simply and on, we might call on the cheap because we're only willing to spend a few dollars ahead to assess students, then that is going to uh, essentially work to the detriment of promoting what's what's at the at the heart of the common core standards and at the heart of developing these competencies because it's a it's a truism what gets tested is becomes the focus of what gets taught Jim Pellegrino thank you so much you're welcome uh, oh by the way what's the answer is it the which goes in and which comes out you know what? Because I'm the same person. Uh, person you I thought I you were. Got a clue I thought you were fudging. I thought. Well, we'll uh, look it up on, of course, Wikipedia, and put the answer in the uh, the conclusion of the show. Well, we looked it up, and it turns out I was right. I guessed right. Veins go to the heart, and arteries uh, distribute blood away from the heart. Jim Pellegrino was the main author of a report about deeper learning for the National Research Council, which is part of the National Academy of Sciences. Part of the funding for that report came from the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, which also helps support American Radio Works, but doesn't tell us what to cover. You can find more podcasts about deeper learning and a range of issues in K-12 and higher education at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects. Let us know what you think of our coverage at AmericanRadioWorks.org. We're on Facebook at American.RadioWorks and on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works also comes from the Spencer Foundation and Lumina Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.